reminder, the Just Joe podcast is brought to you by EJA Moving Services. Located out of Utica, Rome area, they helped move me a couple years ago. They were fantastic. Check them out, ejamoving.com at 315-335-0516. The Just Joe podcast is brought to you by the Royal Auto Group and Salesman Supreme, Jason Allen. He knows how to make a deal. Trust me, he's a good buddy of mine. I've seen him do it. You guys looking for something new, something pre-owned, something new to you? Take the short drive down 81 to Cortland, New York, to the Royal Auto Group. They have four different franchises there. They have Chevy, they have Buick, they have Nissan, they have Subaru, and they have many lenders for any credit situation. Their service is open for all your vehicle needs, as well as the -the state-of-the-art body shop. So stop down and see Jason today, theroyalautogroup.com, or find Jason on Facebook and tell him that Just Joe sent you. The Royal Auto Group, home of the no-hassle, razzle-dazzle, $400 referral fee. This is just a reminder that the Just Joe podcast is brought to you by Advantage Hardwood Floors Incorporated. 315-463-0674 for all your hardwood floor needs. Happy freaking New Year. I guess it'd be episode 48, season five. I don't even know. Do I even need to call them seasons now? I took a few weeks off. I hope everyone had a great holiday, a great New Year. Uh, I am glad that the New Year is upon us. Um, The holidays always seem very hectic for me. I get out of my routine, and I'm a person who loves my routine, and I was a little bit out of routine, so... I loved it. Loved spending time with my daughter, seeing family, seeing friends, uh, partaking in beverages and food was great. Uh, But we're back. It's 2022. Syracuse is finally experiencing winter. Today, as I'm speaking right now, I think it's about one degree outside. Got some snow. Finally feels like winter. Like my feet, everything's cold now. Just everything's cold. Everything's cold. So grab some warm tea, make some cocoa. Pour a scotch, whatever you want. Or if you're just driving down the road, turn it up and listen to me. Uh, Again, this is episode 48. Big shout out to my sponsors, EJA Services Moving Company, located out of Utica, New York. You'll be hearing about them throughout this podcast. Also, Jason Allen and the Royal Auto Group down in in Cortland, New York. And of course, my good buddy, Charlie, in Advantage Hardwood Floors. Uh, They make it possible every week to be able to do this podcast um, you know, and, and this is just a way to be able to keep the lights on, keep me from doing it, keep me doing it, uh, keep my producers being able to edit this content and get it up to you and out to you. So huge shout outs to them again. You'll hear some ads. And if you're interested in advertising on this podcast, let me know. Let me know. Gets listened to by a few people. You never know. You never know. So this episode, I'm bringing on an old dear friend. I haven't talked to her in a few years and just yesterday, she happened to hit me up randomly. And then we got talking. We were talking about podcasts. I'm like, wait a minute. You should be on my podcast. She's a comic. She's a podcaster. She's more of a podcaster now than she is a, a stand-up comic. I met her years ago um, when she was working with a band called Isabel's Gift out of Columbia, South Carolina. And we immediately became friends. And, and shit, that was probably almost 20 years ago. Almost 20 years ago. And uh, to watch her grow as a comedian... Uh, and especially grows a podcast. I didn't realize how big some of her podcasts have gotten. You'll be hearing about what she does in the podcasting world, what she does in comedy. We talk about all kinds of stuff because I'm doing this intro after we already, usually I do the intro before I even start speaking with someone. I'm doing the intro after I already did it. So I, uh, we talk about some great stuff in this episode. We go down some rabbit holes. We talk about her career. We talk about, uh, I don't know. I guess you're just going to have to wait and see. Let's just shut up, Joe, and get on to the meat of it. Everybody, welcome my good friend, comedian, podcaster, and one badass woman, Tracy Carnell. Introduce yourself to everybody and tell everybody what you do. And then we'll talk well, about how the how we got to know each other first. Oh, this is exciting. So uh, I'm Tracy Carnazzo. I'm a comedian and podcast host from New York City. I host 90 Day Fiance Trash Talk, Teen Mom Trash Talk, and the riveting catfish trash talk real deep stuff joe <laughs> yeah but this is what this is what society like people like this is what the people want they want mindless tv and then they want yeah. not to don't take this the wrong way but they want mindless commentary about the mindless tv show yeah what do you think that i really uh you think that i'm <laughs> 
I'm breaking any. World, yeah, right. I am. I am. <laughs> I like sometimes like I will give um, medical advice on there. I'll tell people that I'm a gynecologist. I'll give parenting advice or, you know, like birthing advice. And people get so mad and they're like, she's not a doctor. I don't even think she has children. <laughs> and it's like, why are you taking advice from a comedian on a reality TV podcast? <laughs> That's a you problem. <laughs> well, before we jump too far ahead, because there's a lot of questions I have about this and also sure. career, we're going to jump back and, and, and talk about how we got to know each other, which I, I'm trying to think of the year, probably 2003, 2004, whenever I met as whenever we met as Bell's gift, which was in 2003. That was the first time right. I ever. So I probably met you when I was around 18 years old. No, were you yes. that young? Yes, I was 18 when I met you. <laughs> well, at least you were 18, right? <laughs> I was 18. Uh, I was using fake IDs to get into bars. But sometimes, you know, back in the day, there were bars that were 18 to party, 21 to drink. Yes, absolutely. We still have we st our club here in town is the same way. Right. So uh, in my defense, maybe the places I was going was 18 to party. Probably not. So, but how did, so we, I met you, there was a band and, and I'm telling everybody out there that's listening, uh, a band from uh, Columbia, South Carolina that we connected with called Isabel's gift. And yeah. they were just basically our Southern brothers. You know, they were just like, we immediately had this kinship. We're like, Oh my God, who are you guys? You're like the bizarro us, but you live in Carolina. It's like, and we just became the best of friends with them. And I can't think of how many shows we did with them across the East coast and we brought them up here and everything. And that's how I got to know you, but how the hell did you, how did tell me? Cause I don't remember. It was very blurry back in those days. <laughs> how the hell did you come into contact with them? And then eventually with me. And then it just seems like we've just been friends ever since then. So, yeah. So when I was in college, I worked in the music industry and a little bit after that too, I was working for record labels. Um, you know, I was interning when I was in college and then I was working at record labels after that. And I, met the bloodhound gang through that and then through the bloodhound gang i met isabel's gift ah, that would make sense okay yeah. yeah so i met them actually in philadelphia well i met them in new york uh when i was much younger when they were touring uh i think it was with nerve herder and the bloodhound gang here at irving plaza and then i met them again in philadelphia and that's when i started uh you know just doing some work for them and i was going on the road with them a lot yeah and that's when i ran into you do you remember where it was exactly no absolutely no, I not don't either uh, <laughs> usually I, think... I remember all this stuff but for some reason because anytime it was isabel's gift and brand new sin it was it was it chaos was, it was fucking chaos it was chaos definitely some probably probably somewhere upstate new york i'm assuming it was somewhere upstate new york well, i remember maybe, the, when maybe you... it was one of the times we brought them up here and you just came along because they were coming up here to play a show with us in our hometown or something like that yeah i i think that it was definitely upstate i remember you guys uh when my co-host noelle when she met you guys we were i think we were in uh at dingbats in clifton new jersey oh yeah because noelle was like oh i think i have pictures from that night yeah, we played there. We played there a hand time. We played. I think the first time we ever played there, we played with her with Faster Pussycat. Mm, I, I might have been at the show. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> shout out to Dingbacks for being like one of the coolest clubs ever, and I'm still glad that it's there. Like you roll up and you're like, "What the fuck?" And then you walk in. It's, it's a like, community, it's not, though. And I know, but it's it's not that big of a place. But the setup is great. They have a great size stage, but it's really not that big of a club. But the owner is fucking a spot on dude. I can't remember his name right now, but he always treated us fucking so well. I just you know? remember that Dingbats was like a community because I mean, I'm, I'm from New York and I used to drive to Jersey to, to see shows there. And it's like, Oh, like it was always the same people there. I was actually working for a band in Jersey uh, called Shat, S-H-A-T. Oh, yeah. That's I remember Shat. Yeah. So I was working with them. So I used to go to Dingbats all the time uh, working with Jeff Wood so and it was just like a little community. Oh my God. Then you, I got to know Shat. Shat, anybody out there, if they ever heard of a band called Anal Cunt, that was like really the precursor to what Shat yeah. was. And Anal Cunt was like just this very like punkish, like classy, just, yeah. Just really vulgar stuff and chat like was taking it to the next level but chat would put out a record and it had 50 fucking songs on it because they were only like a minute long and i remember the guy that owned our very first record label now or never records actually worked with chat and i don't remember in what regards i don't know if he was helping him get distribution or if he had some money involved with them and that's I remember the first time i heard chat and it was like one of the first songs i heard was by them is like if if she smokes cigarettes 
Oh, if she has a kid, you know she fucks. If she has a kid, you know, you know she, she fucks. If she smokes yes. cigarettes, you know she sucks. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, what is this? And I just went down the rabbit hole. So that's funny that you bring them up. I haven't thought about them in years. Well, I did vocals on one of their songs. I did backup <laughs> vocals. It was just a beautiful uh, song called uh, Gobble 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 My Goo. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. So I did that. That was me. That was my vo- my backing vocals. I don't know why they didn't give me, you know, more of a, a, a better part. But, you know, one day it's going to happen for me. One day, one day. But yeah, that's how, so that's how we we met. We became friends. And, and I just I don't know, it's kind of been ever since then. But like I've, I've watched you from, you know, as we say in the Twitch world, like you lurk. You lurk. Yeah, you, of course. You're sitting in the in the shadows, and I've watched you like over the years. Like you know, oh my god, she's she's doing stand up comedy, and then oh my god, she's doing these podcasts, and I've watched you kind of evolve, and it's like it's been really, I don't know, man. I get excited when I see people that I know like find their passion and just go with it, Me and too. like, and now that like, and now that once we connected like yesterday, because this was like really kind of put together yesterday, is that <clears throat> I didn't realize like how many different podcasts you're doing and how much traction you had with them. Like, okay, now that we're back to where we originally started with, with the intro, like how did sure. you fall into the, these three different shows that were basically commentaries on these television shows, right? Like what, how did you, how did you get there? That's, that's what I want to know. I've always been really into like very trashy TV. When I was younger, I used to love staying home from school, watching Maury. I mean, to the point where when I got digital cable, I used to DVR Maury and like I couldn't wait to get home to watch it. And, you know, it's pretty it's pretty embarrassing to say that, you know, I was I was a Richard Bay, Ricky Lake, Jenny Jones like this. Richard Bay. Oof, I loved I Ricky it. Lake. I used to smoke bongs and watch Ricky Lake every day at noon <laughs> in college because Ricky Lake was on at like 1230 right after the news. Me and she my buddy would great. always meet up for bongs and watch Ricky Lake and then go back to class. This is I've always been into like really, really trashy TV. And uh, my favorite on Maury. So Maury is really known for the paternity test. But my favorite is the out of control teens. Yeah, that was always my favorite because I felt like I don't know I was kind of wild when I was younger but I was never as bad as them or, or so as, I used that, to as they're being portrayed because we yeah. all know we all know I've had friends that go on shows like that and then they get there and they're like okay well we liked your story but we're going to do this this and this to the yeah, story you know and, and we need you to do this this and this because if anyone thinks that's you know completely real they're they're no, but it was Whatever. still, listen, it's fun it's to pretend. It's, it's fun to pretend. So I was always into that stuff. Uh, when I started comedy, you know, you meet all these people and they're like, oh, I'm going to do a podcast. And now remember, this is before the pandemic. This is before every single person had a podcast. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, what's the podcast? You know, what's podcasting? And the first podcast I ever did, actually, it was called, I was co-hosting with this other comic. His name was Alan Finn. And it was called the week in sex and we were doing it live from the champagne room at Rick's cabaret in New York city. So every Sunday I would spend my entire Sunday until the nighttime in a champagne room at a strip club <laughs> in midtown Manhattan with different strippers and, you know, different porn stars and, you know, comics. That, that was the promise of it. Like you were basically interviewing people that worked in the sex world, basically. Yeah. And uh-huh. everything always smelled like pee. And I was like, this is, <laughs> this is definitely something. And then I was, <laughs> I was like, I don't know where I'm going to go from here, but I don't know if this is what I want my life to be like. So I started, um, I was co-hosting a podcast with another comic and Giannis Pappas, who, uh, you guys might know he was uh, on History Hyenas and he does Rogan once in a while. Yeah, so he's, him, he's, he's <laughs> getting well known. Huh? Yeah, yeah, definitely. He has a podcast I think called Long Days with Giannis Pappas. And we were doing a podcast. Um, a mutual friend of ours who was also a comic was also a dog trainer. So him, me, Giannis and another um, dog trainer used to do this podcast called Funny for Fido. And we were doing that. And I was like, this is fun. But like, I don't know if my passion is dog training. Right. Uh, so I started doing another podcast uh, with another comic that was the, the guy, the dog trainer, and it was called Neurotica and it was about sex and mental health. You know, I suffer from OCD. 
uh, depression, anxiety. So we were kind of like touching on that. He also suffered from the same things. So we called it neurotica and we were going with that. And then I was like, you know, I really want to do my own thing. So me and my best friend, my best friend is Noel Winters Herzog, and she's my co-host on all three of my current podcasts. We've been watching Teen Mom since the beginning. <laughs> like that, that was our thing. And we used to have all these phone calls, you know, every time we watched the show, we had to discuss it. So you were having a discussion, like, why not? Yeah. So we're talk on, about we this. Were, right. I used to take her on the road with me for comedy and we were on, I, I, you know, I was on tour and I brought her along with me and we were, you know, doing like 10 hour drives every day. And we were just talking about teen mom the whole time. And I'm like, Noel, this is a podcast. And she's like, no, I don't, you know, I don't really, I'm not an entertainer. I'm like, you're a podcast host and we're doing this. <laughs> and it, that was about like five or six years ago. And we've been going strong ever since. You know, and then that evolved into 90 Day Fiance yeah. and that evolved into Catfish. Uh, I can't wait to, I got, I got some friends at the gym and they, they, they get together, the girls get together and just look, we're getting together for 90 Day Fiance. Mm -hmm. I have to turn them on to your podcast because oh, they, would they talk it. about it. So I'm like, well, here's another aspect for you guys to fucking talk about because you're going to be able to, I can't wait. <laughs> My mom listens. <laughs> <laughs> She's the one that got me hooked on 90 Day Fiance. Oh, yeah. But that, so that's how you got into the, the podcasting world. And then, and, and is that when you like fell in love? Like, when did you fall in love with podcasts? Be like, dude, this is going to be, this is where I want to live. You know, it's fun. Talking, well, when talking I, when to I people started, is fun. Yeah. I mean, listen, when I started figuring out, how to actually make it a business. I think that's when, cause you know, I was always working like a day job right before podcasting. And I, you know, I'm very, I'm very hard to work with. I'm very hard to manage, <laughs> you know, if you, I have a real big problem with authority. Hence why I haven't, I haven't had a day job in 20 years. I don't know if I can. And, and at this point I'm like, yeah, I'm, I can't go back now unless something drastically mm -hmm. happened. I'd probably go work for one of my buddies or something. Yeah, no, it's, it's hard. You know, I was, I was working in uh, marketing, social media, and I was doing all these things and I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And then, you know, the podcast really started taking off and I was like, this is a dream. I'm talking about these shows that I, I mean, now I hate the shows, but I'm talking about these shows and this is amazing. But when did you know, like, were you purposely trying to make it blow up or was it something that organically happened? And then once it started organically happening, then you're like, okay, now I got to start focusing this and let's, let's try to steer it towards this audience or hashtag this on social media or bring it into this all the world so we can bring in listenership. Like when did you kind of figure that what, Oh wow, we're getting some legs here. Well, you know, the other podcasts that I was doing, like it wasn't really, you know, they weren't really taking off, which is why I like kind of abandoned all the projects. Um, right. And then when we were doing this, so how it started was, you know, the, the car conversations and we we're like, this is a podcast. Um, but I was talking about teen mom a lot on my Facebook statuses. And a lot of people just didn't know what the hell I was talking about. <laughs> and I, I was feeling like I was really kind of like missing my audience. But then I had like, you know, 20, 30 people that I was friends with on Facebook that watch teen mom. So I decided to make a Facebook group where we could all discuss teen mom in there. And as the, the Facebook group, first, it was like, you know, some girls I went to high school with. Then it started growing to like their friends and they would invite their friends that listened. And the podcast, the, the, the discussion group started growing and growing and growing. And we launched the podcast and obviously advertised it in that group. And then I would join other Facebook groups for teen mom. And I would tell those girls about you know, the podcast. And that's when it like actually became like, you know, it started growing that's and I was kind of snowballing. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I didn't think that anyone was going to listen to this. <laughs> so, so let's jump in forward. What, what happens when these shows no, are now longer on the air? Okay. Let me tell you like, something, Joe, <laughs> we don't have such luck. <laughs> these shows. So, so they're teen not going mom, anywhere, right? They're not going anywhere. So no. the first child uh, born on teen mom, I think it was Bentley born to Macy and Ryan. I'm almost positive he's 13 now. What? Has it been on they're still on. They're still well, on the show. Well, the funny thing is, is when you brought up Maury earlier, mm -hmm. and I don't even know where I was. I think I might have been at the dentist office. I was in a waiting room not too long ago, and Maury was on, and he's still doing that thing. I'm like, Jesus, is he really still doing paternity tests? I'm like, how long? It's got to be 30 years he's been doing this. Absolutely. Be. And I'm like, well, I guess it's still there. And then I didn't realize that, like, Jerry Springer is a judge now and, yeah. and and he's a judge TV judge and Steve Bilko's 
you know, it's still got his show. I'm like, yeah, I didn't know these. I don't watch much TV. That's what it is. You yeah. Know, I mean, I you have to be up at a certain time watching TV. Really I don't watch. I don't, I watch shows like I'll binge watch shows, but I don't watch actual television. You know, sure. um, I don't even but, have cable. Yeah. I don't either. So I'm like, just, I don't know. I didn't know these things still were there. I didn't still, I'm so in my own. Oh, world they're, there. I'm, they're still there. I'm like, so yeah, I guess you're right. I get why I even asked that. Cause I think that's, that is here. If anything, that's just exponentially going to grow because I mean, we are heading towards the movie idiocracy at a, at a, a very rapid pace. I will. I will definitely agree with that. <laughs> so now 90 day fiance. So, so teen mom has teen mom, teen mom to teen mom, young and pregnant. So those are the the three different shows within the franchise of Teen Mom. And Young and Pregnant is only about three seasons in. So those are the newer girls. And then remember, on top of that, there's 16 and Pregnant. Which was MTV's. Also, wasn't, that, wasn't that like This the, is all MTV. The, so well, it started are. off 16 and Pregnant, which went to um, Teen Mom, then Teen Mom 2, Teen Mom 3, Teen Mom, Young and Pregnant. And these are all different casts. <laughs> so, it, I mean, is it going to end? You know, well, not, here's the thing. The not kids, really. The, the teens that had kids. What if those kids end up becoming teen? It's going to start soon because now the kids are about turning then, 13. Then so we you have, have a few second years. generation. And you can't help but think that the producers and everybody or somebody's going to try to sway one oh, of these kids to, to get pregnant I'm on, on purpose. And then that's that. just going to start this whole like, oh, now we have second generation like I would love and that. And then so all now, these people are under 40 years old and their grandma and they got great grandkids. That's how you <laughs> got to do it, Joe. That's 13. how you have to do it. Because if you're going to listen, I'm 37 years old. I'm too, I'm too old right now to deal with a child. But if I would have had a kid when I was like 14, 15 years old, I'd be good right now. <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, listen, I have, I've had a, one of my best friends. She had a, she had a kid when she was 14 or 15 years old. It's the way to uh, go. And, and you know, she's a couple years older than me and he's like a grown man and runs yes! down, down in Atlanta. And she's got some grandkids and she's my age and me, I had a kid at 40. Okay. Too, my daughter is at 40. So I'm going to be in my sixties by the time she's like grown up. I'm going to be, I'm like, I'm going to be an old man when you grow up, you know? And she's like, Too no late. daddy, you're not. I'm like, that's part of the reason why I had to get healthy is like shit i gotta be around a little bit longer but like i i there's part of me is like okay i had my fun in my 20s and 30s and i got all that out of the way but i'm also looking at some of my friends that are in their 40s and now they're living this fucking life and i'm like i can't i got an eight-year-old you know <laughs> i gotta you wait you did it wrong was, joe you did it wrong you should have there is a reason why a woman's body at 14 and 15 is in prime condition to have a child because that's when you're supposed to have a kid I, isn't it fun? I mean, it's true. That's ballsy for you to say, but it's the fucking truth. It's 100% true. I mean, these girls, na- you're nature, watching six. Nature yeah, would, here's, here, can we just go to, and, and we don't even have to bring God into it. Let's just talk about nature. Like, it, then why the fuck are you making kids being able to have, why would you, why would nature make somebody be able to reproduce at an age? I'm not saying it's right. Okay. We have to be very fucking careful here because we could fucking. No, listen, I'm talking, I'm not talking about anything moral. I'm talking about no. the physical. Listen, yes. you get your period. You're like 12. You get your period. Yeah. You're when you're 13, you are ready to have a child. You see these girls on 16 and pregnant. I'm not saying all of them, but like they are snapping back. <laughs> Like nothing happened. <laughs> or like when you have a kid, like, listen, my ex, when she had my daughter, like her hip, like got blown out. She had this is what all I these mean. issues. Like after she had that, my daughter was like, oh my God. She, she was up- over 18 and that was too late, Joe. That's what yeah, happened. She was 37 when she had no, my daughter. This is not She's our, your age. No, our bot. No, please. Bar, my body is like, done. Yeah, she ended up having surgeries and all this other host of problems when yeah. she had the kid. She's like, I didn't girls. have this problem. I didn't have this problem when I had a kid when I was, she was 25. She goes, well, yeah, exactly. that's a big difference. You pop them out. They don't even have a stretch mark. <laughs> they, they walk out of the hospital with abs. <laughs> that's what happens. It's like we are too old now. This is, I'm, and listen, technically you're not, but like you are, uh-huh. you are. Listen, all my friends my age right now that are having kids, I'm like, you're old. You're old. You're old. It's done. I mean, it's you're it's old. different for a guy. I mean, dude, we could be sure. having a kid when I'm 80. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, but imagine, don't... right? So now how old are you, Joe? I'm 47. Okay. Imagine that you had a 27 year old right now. That'd be great. 
I think about that because there's because, times. But listen, in the dating world, because I'm, you know, I'm I've been dating all these years, and <laughs> so I'm meeting these these people, and then I'm meeting these girls, and I'm like, wait, 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 how old are you? And I'm like, fuck, like I could be your dad. And like technically. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, technically, <laughs> but like it gets really, it gets really interesting. Right. You know? And then I'm like, wait a minute, you know? And then, but then they're like, well, we're at that age where I'm like, listen, I'm not having any more kids, man. I'm, I'm snipped. I'm done. I'm not reversing it. Like I got one, I got a stepdaughter that I'm still super close with. Like that's all I'm staying with because I'm, I got my hand pulls with an eight year old right now. Yeah, no, I don't blame you. See, the thing about me is like, I don't want to have children, which is a very weird thing for a woman. Not I always. think. Um, I'm 37. So for me to date, I'm newly single. And for me to date, like a lot of the guys in, you know, I wouldn't date a guy under 40, really. Like that's kind of, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's men mature, in their is 30s it a maturity is, thing? Yeah. Men in their thirties. I need, I need someone established, you know? So uh, I, I want like, you know, 40 to 48, something like that, you know? And a lot of them have, kids and i don't want to be anyone's stepmother <laughs> but you don't, you don't have to be their stepmother. okay but if they're grown right that's fine you have an 18 year old son yeah let's that's fine right. that's great but they a lot of times they need to have had children because i don't want to have your kids <laughs> so if you're with me and you don't already have kids like i don't know what to tell you right right it's oh, dude, it's <laughs> like it's a it's a it's like a land the older you get it's just a landmine festival mm -hmm. yeah, but let, really let's let's just go back like how did <laughs> we, we've gotten into the podcast but like before that it was comedy comedy was where you like what got I you started in, what, out in what, musical what, theater yeah okay that was years ago i was in musical theater um and then i went to theater i was doing uh like off off broadway and i mean listen did i did i perform on broadway yes um was it broadway and canal yes it was a little bit downtown but it was broadway nonetheless it was a seven floor walk up but i performed there um and i was doing regular theater and i was like i don't know i just don't feel like creatively fulfilled in this because I feel like I'm still, you know, performing someone else's work. And I wanted to be able to do something that I wrote. Right. And, you know, the natural progression was, you know, stand up comedy. I was always a big fan of stand up comedy growing up. And it's something that I always thought about. I just never thought I could do it. And I think I got the confidence through musical theater, theater, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And to be, to be a comic, man, I don't know what it's like to be a comic. Like as a musician, even as a solo musician, I can hide behind the song. I can hide behind an instrument. You know, I can hide behind those things. I mean, it's still nerve wracking to be up there by yourself on a lot of levels and you're carrying an entire room by yourself. And, you know, you got to you're projecting the vibe. You're doing all these things. But it's a stand up comic, man. You are. You might as well just stand there fucking naked. I don't Sorry know to. how you do it. I mean, I can speak in front of people, but like to be able to have your bits and your everything else. I talk about this with Josh, who's the guy who's kind of the executive producer of this, this podcast. And he, before he got into radio, he was a stand-up comic, lived in New York city. This is back in the uh, early two thousands, late nineties, early two thousands. Right. And he was in the circuit, but eventually it was like, well, you know, he met his wife and they were going to settle down and it's like, all right, well, I can't be traveling. Yeah. It's not, it's not a real you settle know. down kind of career. No, 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 absolutely not. But, um, I mean, he used to tell me of all that. I mean, he was earning a living as a comic traveling and stuff like that, because I mean, people always think, well, comics, you're thinking of Dave Chappelle, you think of Joe Rogan, you think of George Carlin, which you probably think of all those big ones, but just like in music, you think about the big ones, but you don't realize that there's millions of other little people that are really making the business. Oh, for the, sure. The real money. They're the people paying the bills. You know, those are the people earning it. And then that's where like, but is, is it fucking, is, it's got to still be terrifying. Let's get back to that. That was what I was really, I think. Trying yeah, to I don't know. You know, it's funny because I suffer from such anxiety in right. life. So do and I. And for some reason, <laughs> I am, you know, people will say like, are you nervous about tonight's show? And I'm like, no. No, yeah. No, that is not something that makes, it doesn't make me nervous. I'm it more doesn't nervous make, about walking through the grocery store. Thank you. Thank you. It's like, no, I'm actually obsessing about a conversation that I had with someone three weeks ago. You're no, right. I'm not worried about my, my show, you know, tonight. Absolutely not. Yeah. So that's, that's the thing. It's like something that I guess it's what you're confident in too sometimes. Right. And I don't know. I just feel okay on stage. I've always felt comfortable on stage. I've been on stage since I'm a kid. I was in musical theater when well, I was younger too. 
that's that's probably that's the biggest hurdle you know it's it's one thing to be funny it's another thing to be able to be up on stage because we all know funny people right, right. i got friends in my life that i think they're the funniest fucking people in my life but could they get up and do it as a stand-up routine absolutely fucking not well it's it's definitely a different art that's what people don't understand you know sometimes i'll you know be talking and people are like that's really funny you should say that on stage and i'm like no that's a story that i'm telling you that you like because you know me Right. It's not translating to a standup. Right. You know, because it's like set up punch, set up punch. That's a joke. Right. And it's not always, uh, you know, a lot of people just think like like my mom thinks she's very funny. <laughs> she always tells me she's like the conversations I have with your uncle. I think that they could be in one of your skits. And it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> it's funny to you. You guys are funny to each other. But that's, you know, to be um, universally accepted as funny is a very different thing. And it's something that you really have to work on so well, much. It's, it's like anything. It's like any art or any music, like what you what I think is amazing music. Someone's going to think is garbage. Right. And, and the same thing. It's like, and, and, and I can only it, it's almost like food. It's like, man, I would never want to be an owner restaurant because food is so subjective and people are mm -hmm. so picky with it. And it's the same way when it comes to comedy too. It's like, all right, what I find fucking funny because I like dark humor. I mm -hmm. like dark humor being from where we are in Syracuse. We are very sarcastic. I didn't realize how sarcastic our humor is and dar how dark our humor was until I started traveling around the country and us guys in the band would be busting each other's balls or telling jokes and stuff like that. And people would be looking at us like, well, wow. Like, yeah, like they, hate each other. they were like, wow, I can't believe you guys just said that. We're like, what? That's a funny fucking thing. And I realized how dark that was. So I always gravitate towards dark humor, whereas other people like I can't. That's it's too dark for me. You know, the darker, the better, in my opinion. You oh, know, I agree. I So one of my very best friends, her name is Adrian Appalucci. She has uh, a stand up special on Netflix. Um, I think it's the Degenerates on Netflix, which is a series of stand up specials. And she's probably the darkest humor you're going to get. Check it out. I love it's like it's that. ridiculously dark where I mean, but that's also her. If you knew her as a person, that's her personality. And it's just, I mean, that's why I love her so much. She just makes me laugh. Like everything that she says makes me laugh. So for anybody out there that has never obviously heard of you, how would you describe your comedy? I mean, um, I've watched it, so I would rather see what you like. When someone asks me like, Hey, what do you sell? Like, or what does brand new sin sound like? What do you like? What, what, what do you sell? What does Tracy, the comic sound like? What is your, um, I think it took me a really long time to find my voice. I think that, um, I am a bit sexual, you know, a little bit raunchy. Uh, yeah. I like self, uh, depreciating humor. I like, um, just kind of, you know, I've been doing a lot of stuff being single, and dating is like the best thing that could happen to you <laughs> as a comic. Yeah. Right. There's just so much material. It's just I don't have to write anything anymore. <laughs> right. That's why I tell people like, hey, man, if I'm happy in love, man, I can't write music. It's really no. hard for me to write music. But it's when I'm going through shit or I'm single or the, that's way easier for me to find inspiration you know yeah i mean i think for the last five years i wrote about how much i hated my boyfriend and now <laughs> which was you know very helpful to me um and then now i could just write about how much i hate every man on every dating app so that's you know that's a lot of what i've been focusing on you know what it's really like to be you know living in new york city and being single it's it's terrifying yeah so i mean so how long has you been a quote-unquote professional comic now uh, I've been doing comedy now. This is going to be my 11th year. I was going to say, I was, I was going to say about 10 years, yeah. at least a decade that you've been doing this. Does it yeah. seem like a decade? No, I, I, every day I'm like, am I going to get fired? <laughs> like I always got laid off from my job. I'm like, who's going to lay me off? And the, the shitty thing about comedy is like, no one's going to lay you oh, off. Like you have to get, just may not get a gig. Right. Yeah. But you have to lay yourself off. Right. Right. I mean, I do the same thing. I'm like, what if I always had that fear? Like what happens if all the gigs went away and it fucking actually happened? You know, sure. like one day I woke and, up and look at what 20, <laughs> you know, I'm like, Oh, what am I going to do? You know? But I always said, I always had that in my mind, but at the same time, I'm like, no one's going to fire you. Dude. Like no, one, you could just not work for a month. You may not make any, you're not going to make any money, but you could, you can, if you want. I used to try to quit comedy. There were two, I tried to quit comedy twice and I was like, all right, I'm not going to do comedy. I'm over it. I'm not good at this. Cause you know, you get like this imposter syndrome 
And I, I, oh, you know, yeah. I think as a musician, you know, a lot of people suffer well, from this it, too. Especially with your anxiety. And if you already suffer from anxiety, OCD, mm-hmm. depression, like myself, and you're a creative, the imposter syndrome is a real thing. And that's not something I even learned about until a couple of years. I'm like, oh my God, what is that? And then someone described mm-hmm. it to me. I'm like, it was like, Jeff's Show Podcast is brought to you by EJA Services, a moving company located out of the Utica, Rome area, but servicing all of Central New York and beyond. Let's face it, moving can be stressful. Relax and let the reliable movers take care of tasks for you. From antiques to electronics to home decor items, they have the experience and the equipment to ensure your items will arrive at their destination unblemished and on time. They can move everything from your apartment, condominium, townhouse, single family home, or office with ease. Competitively priced movers in Utica, New York. Again, they service all of something New York beyond. Moving help, relocation services, office moves, complete packaging services, unpacking, loading services. You know what? Maybe you bought some new items for your office or your home. Shouldn't have to stress about that because they can deliver those things too. Contact their moving and delivery specialist to help you have the new furniture, art, piano, items delivered. Visit their office at 9772 River Road in Marcy, New York, or call them at 315-335-0516. That's 315-335-0516. Or go to their website, ejamoving.com, and tell them that Just Joe sent you. Me just jumping in here just to remind you, just to remind you that the Royal Auto Group and Jason Allen are a sponsor of this amazing podcast. Thank you, Jason. RoyalAutoGroup.com. That is RoyalAutoGroup.com. The Just Show podcast is brought to you by Advantage Hardwood Floors. And my good friend, Charlie, when it comes to hardwood floors, nobody better in the Central New York area than him. He's been doing it his entire life. I mean, entire life. You've walked on floors that he's probably done. You've seen floors. You've seen basketball probably played on those floors. You just ripped up some carpet in your house, realized you got these beautiful hardwood floors underneath it. You want to make them look good? Call Charlie. Call Charlie at 315-463-0674 or at advantagehardwoodfloors at gmail.com. Yeah, that's what I have. And I tried to quit comedy and then it's like, all right, I'm not taking any more gigs and I'm not doing comedy anymore. And I, I mean, I told everyone I quit comedy, I quit comedy. And then, uh, you know, a few weeks into quitting comedy, you get offered like really great gigs. <laughs> of course it did. And you're like, I will do one last gig. And then you book that. And then you're like, I will also do this other last gig. And then before you know it, you never quit comedy. <laughs> well, I think it was not too long ago. Joe Rogan had Ron White on there and Ron White was mm-hmm. like, I'm stepping away from comedy. I've done all this stuff. <laughs> and then I guess they did like one little show like after the pandemic. And he looked at Rogan and he said something like, dude, I can never stop. We can never stop doing this. Like, mm-hmm. you know, all of a sudden, now he's back, you know, yeah, so that's what happens. I mean, every, how many farewell tours have you seen <laughs> right. with the same band right. years later? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Kiss, Kiss went on a farewell tour in like 97. Yeah. They're still doing a farewell tour. Right. And then in 2001 and then in 2005. 25 years later, they're still saying goodbye. Yeah. Ozzy, Ozzy said goodbye in like, what, 94. He's still fucking touring. It's like, don't say goodbye. Yeah. So every show is my last. That's basically how I live my life. Every yeah, single but if show. But if you do that, then it kind of puts you on this edge. It puts you on the edge and it also gives you a feeling like I don't give a fuck. And maybe that's where you need to live. Maybe that's a good mindset to be in. That's when you get the best gigs. I'll tell you that. Cause when I stress out and I'm like, no one's booking me, I'm not getting good enough gigs. And like this person's doing better than me and this person's doing better than me. And, you know, you really stress out. Um, you know, I had during the pandemic, you know, I've had these, these thoughts, you know, when we started opening back up and I'm like, I don't have enough shows. Everyone else has shows. I don't have shows. And, um, you know, for a little while, I was like pretty down on myself. And then I was like, well, I'm not going to ask for shows anymore. Like I'm sick of these people. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, I have this fantastic gig. And then I have this fantastic gig. And it's like, that's when you, it's almost like when you're not begging for it in your mind, Yes, it just comes to you. Well, there was me, like when we started peeling back out of the pandemic or, I mean, we're still in it, but like Mm -hmm. when things were like opening up and shows were be able to happen again, um, and then all of a sudden I was just getting offers left and right. And I'm just like, well, dude, I'm really kind of living the Twitch thing. And it mm-hmm. just keeps building because the thing inside of Twitch and the same thing inside of a podcast, there's really no ceiling. 
You know, if you're if you're doing a comedy room and it's it's 200 people, there's only 200 people can sure. come to the show. Or if I'm going to go play, you know, a bar here in Syracuse, there's only so many people can come and there's an X amount of money you can make, you know, whereas in the other realms, there's really an endless amount of money that you can make. There's the sky is the limit here. Uh, and we talked about that pre podcast, like how much money some of these people are making on their podcast, yeah. how much some of these people are making uh, in some of the other realms. So like when it started coming back, uh, I saw everyone starting to get all these gigs. I'm like, Oh shit, maybe I should start going playing all these gigs. And I'm like, Whoa, 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 no, no. Like you found this balance now. So, and that's what you've probably have found between the podcast and the comedy. It's very nice. And as soon as you start getting a little annoyed with the podcast, you're like, you can go do comedy and then you get a little annoyed and you go back. And so you can, you never really get sick of either of them. You have a nice right. little balance between the two. Right. Yeah. I mean, right now, like, you know, I'm getting offered, you know, weekends on the road and stuff and, you know, they're offering me the money and I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I could stay home and podcast and right. make that much money or right. I could drive seven hours to Virginia and stay in a holiday inn by myself and open for some hack for a right. hundred bucks, you know? So it's like, you're trying to buy, I, I like how they, they, uh, they also incite, they're like, we also will pay for your room. And you're like, yeah, yeah. You'll pay for my room. I don't want to be there. What do you think? I'm going to kick in from my hotel room? Right. It's fucking 80 bucks. Of course you're going to fucking... I don't want to... You have to... And they probably get a discount because they're fucking always putting people in it. It probably exactly. costs them 40 bucks. It doesn't cost them anything. I just love when, when they do that. So, it, you know, it's it's hard because you get spoiled. You get spoiled staying at home. You get spoiled doing yeah. what you love and having creative control and also staying safe from germs. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and now I'm like, oh, I got to go on the road. I, I have to start flying. I have to start traveling. I have to start staying in hotels and being in the club with all these, you know, people. And right. Well, even before, even before COVID, when you're traveling, that's you, anybody, anybody who travels, anytime we were touring, especially at certain times of the year, one person got sick and then everybody got sick. And by the time you were done being sick, then someone else would catch something else. It was this constant thing going through everybody in the tour, you know? So now like, you know, it wasn't until, I mean, I got, I got COVID uh, about five weeks ago. You know, I right. probably got the first wave of the Omicron because that was really, what came, but like, that was like the first time in like, since the pandemic, I got sick at all. <laughs> I was right. Like, wow, yeah. I because everyone's been home. I didn't get cold last year. I didn't get like that one three week period. My voice was doing this weird shit. Um, so yeah, but, but at the same time, when you get out there and you do that, then you kind of feel energized. You're like, Oh my God, you I, do. I really, I really liked that. That was good. And did I make the money I wanted to make? No, but I, I enjoyed it. And yeah, now, but it's the experience though, yes. getting on stage. So sure. It's like, I'm enjoying this right now with you and we're bantering and you know, this is great. When you step on a live stage and you have the feedback of a live audience, yeah. It is. There's really nothing that can compare. But the problem is, is that you stay home long enough. You forget what that feels like. So you don't really miss it. Yeah. But then you do it and then you're like, oh, yeah, you're like, I need to do this all the time. Forget it. Oh God, and then you fuck get home. It, fuck everything else. I'm going to do this. And then you get home. You're like, no, no, no. I've, I'm, I'm so happy in my bubble. There's so many pillows on my bed. I need to stay home. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how I, you know, the other thing about like traveling is, you know, I used to, to tour with bands when I was younger and, you know, eight people to a hotel room. Right. We used to like pile in. We used to just do whatever. Oh, we're always going to sleep on the van tonight. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's fine. Or someone's going to uh, sleep in the tub. Yeah. That was sometimes the most comfortable place and the quietest because then no one was snoring. You could just go. Yes. Up. And it's you like you had to wait things... until someone take, took a shit while you're in the middle of the night. Right. Like, fuck, dude. But everything was cool. Everything was right. fine. Everything went, you know, we figured it out. And now I'm like, I'm sorry. Where is my hotel room near the elevator? Oh, yeah. No, I'm going to need a different hotel. <laughs> like, I don't how many. This is three stars. Yeah. You know, and as we get older, I think that, you know, you get used to living in a certain way, you know, because you're not going to have nine roommates anymore. Yeah, I can't. And it, it's harder. It's harder as you get older. You know, the things that if you were to make me go back to my teens and my 20s and be like, you're going to travel like this, I I wouldn't survive it. I don't think. Mm, no, no. I think people ask me that all the time. They're like, I had someone actually approach me not too long ago. Like, oh, we see the brand new sin is 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 doing something like yeah we're doing a 20th anniversary show they're like well right. what's your what's your plans for the road and i'm like we don't they're like what, what the fuck do you they're like well we have this tour i'm like uh okay let me let me break this down we're almost 50 years old we all have kids we have mortgages and careers 
and you just want me to, and we don't even own a van. Like right. really hard for us even to get together for once a week to do a rehearsal for a show that's six months from now. So, um, and you want us to just pause all of that to go out on some tour? Yeah, like, but we're gonna make a hundred bucks a night, Joe. But we couldn't, right? But we couldn't even make money when we had a record label and fucking videos right. and MTV and radio our play. And now you're thinking that people are, I mean, Brand New Sin was kind of known in some circles, but no one knew who the fuck we were. And they definitely don't know who the fuck we are now. So you want me to go out on the road? I'm like, and they're like, well, it's it's a no buy on tour and there's going to be a documentary made about the tour. I'm like, I can make a documentary with my fucking iPhone. That doesn't mean it. Do you what remember when those things, do you remember when those things would excite us? Oh yeah. Like, like some, Oh, someone's coming to film. And it's like, yeah, yeah. now everyone films everything. Yeah. I could, I've, I saw somebody that made a documentary with, to prove that you could do everything with the new iPhone. Yeah. And it looked like a fucking real movie. They're like, yeah, we did everything. We edited everything all in with the iPhone. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, yeah. So documentary film crew, what does that mean? What does that, what does that yeah. mean? Unless it's, I mean, Oliver I don't Stone. even want to, it's if true. Oliver I don't Stone even want to play coach. Yeah. So I told I them, I'm like, I can't fly coach anymore. Oh, I haven't flown since before the pandemic. I haven't either, but I cannot fly coach. I don't even know if business class is going to do. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know why I've become this person, but it's, I've, <laughs> I've always been a little bit of this person and it's just gotten so much worse as I've gotten, you know, my no, own you just, space. And <laughs> no, you just, you want, if you're going to do something, you want to do it in comfort. And I told people, yeah. like, if I was to go out back out on the road, I wouldn't do it with the band. They're like, why not? I'm like, it's too much. There's five other people and the people and the crew. I'm like, there's just no money to be fucking made. I have yeah, friends no. that have sold millions of records. They're out on the road and they have all this crew and their overhead is so huge. And they're making like, I've talked to some of them and they're like, well, how much you make last year? And I told them what I made last year. They're like, uh, you made more than we did. And we're playing fucking sold out theaters every night. I'm yeah. Like, yeah. I was playing a fucking Joe Schmo's wing bar and then it came home and did fucking. But it's one of you. See, that's the, right. the difference between comedy too, because I used to book bands as well. And, you know, they're making, you know, a few hundred bucks. And then by the time you get gas money and by the time you split it between the band, like they're making nothing. No. So I'm like, if I was to go out on the road, I would have my own RV. Mm -hmm. that I would probably have a studio because I've toyed with this idea of putting a studio, uh, a streaming studio in there. I could stream from anywhere. I could Twitch from anywhere. I would go out. I would have a room for my daughter. I would be room for my daughter. My daughter and I would get this big RV and we travel around the country. Right. And that would be the way I'd do it. I'd have to do it in complete comfort and it would have to make complete financial sense for me. Yeah. You need a I driver mean, too. Right. Right. And I'd bring one person to probably sell merch and just be my fucking guy. But I have a ton of those people like, Hey, you want to go? They're like, yeah. I got a ton of people in the business. Yeah. You know, I mean, I used that. to do that. I used to do whatever, whatever anyone needed. I was like, I'm down. Sure. We're going to travel. This is going to be an adventure. And now it's like, this is going to be an adventure. Absolutely not. Well, unless <laughs> I was independently wealthy and I had right. money sitting around and I could take six months off and then I just go and fuck off and do something, you know, but I can't, I can't, I just can't. In total comfort. Yeah. And I have to be in some kind of comfort. Mm -hmm. I need to have some amenities and even being in an RV for long, too long would probably, it would have to be a badass RV because I'm not that I have a nice house, but I like the comforts of my home. Yeah. I agree I like with my you. Home, I like my home bowl. Like sometimes Listen, I'll I leave a place to go home and take a shit. And they're like, why? I'm like, because I like the shit on my yeah, own you have toilet. To it home. I understand that. I like my 100%. own toilet. Like, I had a friend that was... <laughs> No, it's friend that was flying private recently and uh, she was sending me pictures flying private and I'm like, it's really small. Like, I don't know. I would need a bigger private jet. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, where did I come from? I don't know. No, we just we we just want our certain things, man. Now you understand why old people are very particular about their their ways because they finally have gotten their ways. And that's like, fuck it. I've lived <laughs> I've lived on this planet long enough and I want these things. That's all I want. Very simple. I'm not asking a lot. That's but yeah, I'm, I am. I'm flying. I'm flying in at least in March. I'm mm -hmm. going to South by Southwest, hoping Ooh. that cross fingers that it's happening. I'm going down there. I don't know if I'll play. I might be involved with Twitch. Twitch might be doing a bunch of stuff and they're going to get me involved. And so I'll get the badges and everything. It's really more or less a vacation to go down and just spend some time in Austin, which is my favorite. And then I'm supposed to, and I'll spill the beans on here, but I'm supposed to go out and collaborate with Halo scene. I was talking Ooh. to you about that last yeah. night. Uh, they're the biggest music streamers and one of the bigger uh, uh, YouTube streamers. That's how they got to Twitch is they got big on YouTube. Right. And uh, they want me to come out to Arizona. So at some point I'm going to have to fly 
So yeah, maybe I'll just have, now you get me thinking, maybe I need to fucking upgrade. You, you always need to upgrade. So, uh, it's so much more expensive. No, though. you need to upgrade at the airport. What, what, what is that? So when you get to the counter, you ask if you can upgrade and it's so much cheaper. Really? Yeah. If they have it available, they'll do it for a lot less money. So say like maybe a first class ticket to Austin, you know, would be like three grand. Yeah. You pay like 500, you know, for a coach and then you get to the airport and sometimes for like three, 400, you could just upgrade. Hmm. You hmm. never buy it. You never buy it uh, right off the bat unless you're, you know, unless you got that fuck you money. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. Austin's going to be fun though. Austin is uh, a lot of the comedy uh, scene has shifted over to Austin. Yes, one of, I, one of my I, favorite clubs here in New York city, the Creek in the cave uh, owned by Rebecca Trent has moved to Austin. And, and Rogan's opening. He's already bought a place. He's opening yes, his own. Rogan's door. opening the club. We have there, uh, the now here's the, the thing. There. I thought about that. I'm like, there's already a comedy club down there. I don't remember which one it was. And now that one that you just mentioned on Rogan, do you think there, I mean, Obviously, we all know there's enough music venues to host. I mean, you could just have shows upon shows. Do you think that will work in the same translation in, in comedy? There, there'll be enough. There's definitely a scene to- there right now. They're they're creating quite a scene. Uh, a few comics have moved to Austin. I know that uh, my buddy Tim has, uh, you know, he, he spends his he splits his time between L.A. and Austin. And a lot of comics are like toying with the idea. Um, and a lot of comics here. In, oh. Yeah, but a lot of comics in New York City, you know, are, are splitting some time in Austin as well. Well, I guess if you all got like a, a house together or an apartment, I mean, it's, together, it's, it's almost split. like a, <laughs> like a crash pad. Yeah. Well, that's what it'd be. I think, I mean, that's what there's apartments that my friends right here in the city <laughs> that are rented by five or six, seven doctors that come up from New York city or travel. Right. And then they just, they're here at different times and it's big enough. Hey, maybe there's two of us here, but there's never all of them there at one time. Sure. So I imagine that would be the same way. I mean, have you been, have you been to Austin? Have you performed in Austin? I have been to Austin. I haven't performed in Austin. I've, I've been on tour <sighs> and I've city. passed through Austin. I just, you know, stopped to eat a taco and keep on going. It's my favorite city. Austin's great. It's my favorite city in the United States. I would, I would, it's gotten so expensive to live there though. I mean, you'd, you'd have to, it's got, it's, yeah, but see, here's the thing. You guys don't live in, uh, no offense. You don't live in real New York. No, we don't. Okay, good. I, I didn't know. If you were get, I didn't know if I, you were going to get violent. No, I never um, take a. I never take a. I never take offense at it because anyone when we were on the road. We we're like, oh, we're from New York. They're like, oh, from New York City. I'm like, no, I'm from Syracuse. And they're like, I'm like, that's really more Canada than it is. New yeah. York. you know, <laughs> we're a whole other state. Really, it's really a different different vibe because the vibe in New York City is a vibe in something New York is again completely different. There's some similarities in the way we are because we're New Yorkers, but I think that really kind of goes for a lot of, a lot of Northeast. You know, I mean, people in Connecticut and Jersey all have very similar DNA when it comes to that tri-state area. Right. I mean, we're ball busters. We're fucking very, I mean, it's the weather that we have to deal with. You know, it's. We're aggressive people as, as a people. I think that we're aggressive, but even so you're saying that Austin's getting expensive and it's absolutely getting more expensive. It's still not as expensive, expensive as living in New York, which is still attractive to a New Yorker. Where do you live in the city? I live in Queens. Okay. Have you always yeah. lived in Queens? I was born in Queens. I lived in Queens. Uh, you know, I've, I've relocated here and there very briefly. I lived in the Hamptons for a little while. How did, how did you, how did, but how do you not have a harder accent? Oh, see, I got to tell you, a lot of people can't believe how bad my accent is. No, I mean, I can hear it, but I know people that are from Brooklyn well, I mean, it's a little, my, bit I mean, my mom, my, my parents are from Brooklyn and I'm from Queens but, and but, but people Brooklyn think I have a harsh accent, you know, people think I have it. Yeah. I, I think mean, you're I more, know. I think you're more used to uh, speaking to other people too. True. Because, you know, there's my listeners are like, oh my God, where are these girls from? <laughs> this is crazy. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't even think I have an accent at all. No, I sound like the people on TV. That's what I tell people. They're like, you have an accent. I'm like, no, I don't. I sound like the people on TV. <laughs> well, our mutual friend, uh, Chris from Isabel's Gift, he's from South Carolina. And he sounds like, I don't even know where he sounds like he's from. He has no Southern accent whatsoever. He doesn't. Like Jason does. <laughs> Jason the other does guys in the band absolutely do have that. But I, I yes. always thought that about Chris. 
especially when he was drunk and he didn't even the southern didn't even come out when he was like chris is one of those people like some people when they drink wine their lips and their teeth turn yes. color i mean it's a genetic it's a genetic thing or something like that chris when he drank wine man he just turned into a vampire he looked like a vampire to me and even then his southern drawl didn't really come out no, I mean, chris has had a radio voice forever yes that's weird that's weird yeah. so all right so where do we go from here like what's what's the future i mean is it still keeping podcasting do you see yourself like morphing into some other different kind of podcast of the future of what your comedy is like what's your do you have a 10-year plan a five-year plan yeah i mean of course you have to have some kind of plan i mean i love podcasting absolutely i think that podcasting is a great platform it's something that we're you know able to produce ourselves mm-hmm. and you know that's and say what you, know, you want so, so yeah it's so you don't valuable, have to answer you know? to somebody like you're on radio, so you're all of a you said something. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're advertisers, but on radio, man, I know there are certain times that there was a few things that I said and you know, the owner of the station or the program director, like, yeah, you gotta be careful about saying that. I'm like, right. And they're like, Cause you're oh, representing you a brand. And right, right now the only brand I'm representing is me and it's trash talk. And it's, you know, it's not exactly, we're not and holding then, and ourselves. And you do have so. to answer your advertiser, because then if you get big enough, you do, you can say whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> exactly. Right? And that I think that's that's everyone's goal, especially in comedy. Uh, but I think that the the big goal is, you know, to go TV. Um, you know, Noel and I are working on some things. We have some things in the works, uh, you know, as far as uh, some pitches and stuff. Uh, but yeah, ultimately. Talk show. Yeah, like TV in the matter of like traditional TV or streaming network or. Uh, I don't think matter. it really matters at this point. You know, it's right. where the money is. Right. It doesn't really matter. Um, something, you know, it would be streaming network or network TV or whatever it is. Um, you know, we're looking for something, you know, to translate the podcast into uh, some kind of talk show, something yeah. late night. Oh, that would be cool. And let me get, let's go back to the comedy thing. Cause this is one thing that I've really, really noticed. And, and I know that Rogan speaks about it a lot and is really concerned at the future of comedy because of the woke generation or the PC. I mean, I mean, look at the shit that Chappelle just went through and sure. what some of these other comics are going through. Like, it's almost like this is what comedy, this is what com- comedians are supposed to do. They're supposed to completely push the envelope, but do it in a way like, I don't know, man, it's, 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 I've worried for some comics right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not worried for anyone. I mean, listen, do, you can look wor- at. Do you worry that, that that's happening, though? Do you know what I'm talking about, right? Absolutely. Cancel culture. Cancel yeah. culture is, you know, there are some things that are absolutely ridiculous. And then there are some things where it's like, well, you're a terrible person and you should be canceled. You know, <laughs> they're, they're definitely, um, it's not anything goes. It should never be anything goes. Right. There right. has to be a line. And I think that what people don't understand is that, like, you know, there are certain people that really didn't say much and were joking and, you know, have gotten shit on from that. Uh, and that's not right. But then there are other people that, you know, have done some horrific things and, and have some terrible opinions and have really like kind of like spewed hate. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that shouldn't be. I mean, it's the same thing as like putting, for example, you know, obviously like the Louis C.K. stuff. And then, you know, you're putting him in the category of a rapist. Yeah. And it's like what Louis did was super fucked up. It was super fucked up. I don't know if he should be in the same category as, you know, these other people like Harvey, you know? Oh, yeah. I I don't see that that's comparable. So, you know, I mean, I've had some friends get canceled. I've had, you know, uh, Shane Gillis got uh, he got axed from SNL. for what? I can't remember. So so Shane, uh, he does a podcast called, uh, I think it's uh, Shane and Matt's Secret Podcast. And they were saying some derogatory things, uh, making some like some shitty jokes about Asians. And what happened was he got SNL, it got announced. And then this uh, this nasty blogger who, you know, he's nasty for other reasons, too. He uh, exposed him on Twitter and Lauren got wind of it. And he actually got his contract uh, taken back. <sighs> But Shane is doing quite well for himself. Well, I was going to say that, I mean, it probably all turned around saying, but yeah, I do. I do worry for that because I mean, I'm, I'm always, always a fan of Louis CK because I mean, sure. once, once I lost George Carlin, I'm like, where's my guy? You know, I mean, George I'm still Carlin. a fan of Louis. Right. I'm like, where's my guy? You know, who's, who's my guy that's, you know, no, no, it'll never be another Carlin. In my opinion, that's my, you know, that's my favorite 
funniest comedian of all time. And not only is a comedian, he was just one of the most incredibly intelligent people right. ever out there and to doing what he did. Uh, so I always gravitated to Louie. And then when that went down with Louie, I'm like, man, that was kind of fucked up what he did. But I mean, right. But at the same time, like I, I do think he should be held accountable for he it. He did. And he took it and he did. Yeah. He, he owned did. it. He but owned that's it, what but I'm then saying, he like, owned it, and they still fucking were like, "All right, well, I owned it. What the fuck? What else do you want me to?" I know, but do? I think he's he's still touring. He just put out a new special called "Sorry." Yeah. Uh, you know, he's doing okay. Right. He's not doing what he used to do. No. But he's doing okay. Um, but I do think that that's kind of. I mean, he was definitely made an example of, and you know, maybe especially you know as far as um, sexual assault and and things like that. Like, yeah. People have to realize, especially in entertainment, because, Joe, I'm sure you've you know seen oh, yeah. it yourself. People use their power for mm -hmm. very bad things. They do. And, and I mean, I often when all this started happening a few years ago and the Me Too movement and all that stuff, and I'm all for it. Trust me, I'm all fucking for it. But I can't help but think back to my days when I was younger that I was like, I went through my head. I'm like, oh, my God, I hope I never made any woman feel Right. But the only thing that you could do way. is is learn from these things, because maybe you did you not know, knowing it. You know what I mean? So I think that a lot of men are actually learning from this and being like, yeah. oh, OK, that actually, it's, you know, especially after watching the Woodstock 99 documentary and everyone can watch that documentary. And I think it was really well done. And it really I think you go into it thinking the documentary is going to be just about the Woodstock 99. But there was this really dark undercurrent of the really horrible shit that was happening behind the mm -hmm. scenes that also this undercurrent of what that culture was in the late nineties and how women were looked at. And it's like, wow, we've come along. I'm like, all right, cool. We've come a long way, but I also can't help but think that like, I was definitely friends with people that were like that, but I was never that mm -hmm. dude. Like when a girl went over the top, Oh, let's grab her tit or let's, you know, right. do that stuff. Yeah. Um, but there's so much of that, that I think that, you know, men right now, I think, I think are learning from a lot of this. Yeah, I definitely and have. It's giving men the voice to, uh, you know, defend a woman or even speak up to another man and explain what's wrong with that. You know, yeah. just as a woman, you know, in entertainment, men DM me. Yeah. They say disgusting things to me. <laughs> Do you get, do the people just send you a random dick pic? I never understood. Yeah. Like, I would I, never I, I do get, that. If I sent right. a dick pic, absolutely. But I wasn't because it wasn't until like we right, got but to maybe that there point. Was a exactly. There was a conversation. <laughs> I just sent one out of nowhere. Like, here's my dick. And like, and even surprised. if you said, let's, let's get this and we'll go back to it. But like, once you send the dick, it's like, okay, all right, cool. That's all. I, I've seen everything. Like a woman, there's so many things, you know, there's. Well, the difference between a man and a woman, I'll tell you this. Yeah. Uh, and this is very educational. So a woman, I'll, I'll look at a dick pic. If I'm involved with a man, I'll look at a dick pic. It's more informational. <laughs> How so? Please. Uh, you just want to see what you're working with. You, want, you know, it's informational. It's yeah, not. But don't like, you feel that they should put a quarter next to it so you can get reference? I think that they should be in 7-Eleven and they should go over to the door <laughs> and any gas station, I think, has the measurements on the door. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's more informational, whereas like I could send a guy a picture of my butt 400 times and he's just as excited for the 400th same butt. Picture. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is. But I mean, I, I, I just think about it. But yeah, what a really weird thing. And I, t I talked about this once. And I just, I, I, women on social media in general, then you don't even have to be a public figure and women in, in social, the social media world. And it worries me for my daughter, you know, I'm just like, mm -hmm. God, man, there's just these creepy dudes out there. Mm -hmm. There's so many creepy dudes, you know, so, so I'm hoping that like, as my daughter gets older, I can kind of, you know, cause I live in this world that like, I can show her like, you know, Hey, this is a really amazing world. It can be very, very dark and you got to be ready for it. Yeah. I mean, I think that you the know? most important thing that you could do with children, especially you having a daughter is uh, make her very comfortable telling you everything. Yep. You know, cause that's really all you could do. I mean, there have been sexual predators out there are, forever and ever since the beginning of time. Uh, but if she's, you know, comfortable telling you about things right. and you can guide her a little bit, because I think that a lot of kids aren't comfortable and that's where they're not guided at all. Yeah. Well, the, the, the sexual predator thing as a kid in the eighties 
was like, oh, there's a there was a van. We got to watch. Yeah, it was more in van. person. It was, a, it was like one person in town that you had to watch out for, and they Buster busted the molester. But now <clears throat> the internet has opened that up for like you know they're 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 everywhere now, and they don't yeah. have to be in a van. They can be in their house. It's it, that's sure. what makes it really crazy. So I have to I have to tell her that when she plays like online games and stuff like that, I'm like, you I go, you need to tell me when. If someone ever comes in and says stuff like you, you got to tell me this stuff because like right, and also just like crazy. never meet anyone. That's that's really, I mean, the, the ultimate yes. end game is never ever meet anyone. Don't give your information yeah. out to anyone. I mean, I'm still like that. I, yeah. I still feel like that. You know, I, I have a big stranger danger. You know, online dating. I'm like, I don't know. This is not what I'm really used to. But I, I think that a lot of men don't realize how they come off sometimes. You know, where the 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 um kind of like the fantasy back in the day was like, Oh, a man. And you know, he wouldn't stop. Right. Like grandpa went to grandma's house 800 times and she kept saying no. And on the 800th and one time she finally agreed to date him. And it's like, that is sexual harassment. Yeah. Well, and in today's terms. Yeah. Yeah. That's back then awful. Was, back then it was romantic. Right. And it's, that's what men don't understand. Like it's not romantic to keep, uh, you know, when, when I say no, like just leave me alone. Right. That's it. Just leave me alone yeah. and then just move on because there's, listen, maybe I'm not into you, but there's someone else that's into you. Go Trust ahead. me. There's Go someone, there's someone for everybody. There's a seat for every S. Yes, there is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tracy, this has been awesome. I'm yeah, a, I definitely want to have you back on, but like your insight into uh, the whole other stuff that we were talking about before this is like, I, like I said, everybody out there, I've been telling, saying this every week that there's another podcast coming. I've been saying this almost for a year, but like, it's, I think it's fucking finally time for me to get this other podcast going, you know? So it's going to um, happen, but I'll have the links to your socials and all that stuff in there. You actually, you have, your yeah. If you guys want to follow me, um, you could follow me at Trixie Tuzini, T-R-I-X-I-E-T-U-Z-Z-I-N-I on Instagram and Twitter. And you could go to TracyCarnazzo.com for uh, everything else I do. My podcasts are 90 Day Fiance Trash Talk, Teen Mom Trash Talk and Catfish Trash Talk. You can go down the rabbit hole with Tracy really quick. And the next <laughs> thing you know, you're losing days on end. And you're like, what the fuck just happened? It's Tuesday. It was Sunday. What happened? True you story. Know, so. All right. Well, thank you for being on, sweetheart. Yes, thank you for having me. Now you can see why I wanted to talk to her. She's funny. She's insightful. I mean, this is she's a hustler. I mean, I think one of the things I love about having the people that I have on here, whether they're a musician or a creative or anybody, I think the common bond that we all have, we hustle. We're hustlers. We're born hustlers. I mean, anybody gets in the entertainment industry is a hustler. They're doing it because they like to hustle. It's there's, you know, you never know when your next paycheck is going to come or all of a sudden you make a bunch of money and then you're like, oh, how do I make a bunch more money or how do I keep paying the bills? You got to hustle. You got to come up with different um, revenue streams and you come up with different ideas. You try a couple of different ideas and they suck. And then you finally stumble upon some great idea because of your fucked up ideas. So um, Tracy's going to be back. Um, Tracy, I have a feeling is going to be play a very important role in the next phase of everything, uh, as we talked about the other podcast, because I just got to fucking do it. I got to stop talking about it and say, hey, it's coming. It's coming. You know what? No one else is holding me back. <laughs> it's me. So just get it done. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. Give me feedback. You know, share this podcast with people that you think will dig it. And uh, just let me know what you think about it. I'd love to hear the feedback. I get some from time to time. But even if it's just like, hey, thumbs up thumbs down, even if it's simple as that, let me know, justjoe.com or hit me on the socials. You know how to get a hold of me. Everybody, I'll see you until next time. And again, huge thank yous to EJA Services, Jason Allen and Royal Law Group, and Charlie and Advantage Hardwood Floors. Until next time, peace. Yeah!